Hi, this is Pete Best, and you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good morning, unless it's evening, in which case it's the reason that it's dark out. Welcome to TalkCast 532 and this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Brought to you once again without any meaningful rum sleep. I am your host and passing on the flu shot, taking the whiskey shot, The Dome. We are the only podcast guaranteed to retain carbon neutrality, for the rest of this fiscal year and become all electric before the end of 2023 because I just can't afford the gas bills anymore. Hey, everybody. Joining me in the Area 51 broadcast bunker tonight is our own Fred Commander Cam, who will tire of my taunts, and then we will have to reprocess them because everybody knows Sonic Green is human, and that's what happens in the broadcast bunker. How are you doing, Commander Cam? I'm doing great, you know. I've got uh, I've got the snack bar all set up. Got all kinds of goodies. I decided to move into a different uh, area. I decided to try sushi. Soil green sushi. Mm. Oh well, yes, and all sorts of other sushi. You know, I figured, you know, why settle for fish? You know, I just you know trying other you know uh, meat products as sushi. You know. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I left a little on your desk. Try that pork tenderloin sushi. I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, pork now, sushi. Thank There's something that uh, I was taught in college that you tell everyone who is eating sushi for the first time. Here, try this glob of mustard by itself. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that disembodied voice in the background is our old friend C.T. Phipps who's back again to join the five-timers club. CT, welcome back, my friend, to the show that evidently never ends. <laughs> oh, yes. It's always gl- uh, glad to be here. As I was telling you early, this is the only uh, podcast I know that maintains that 2 a.m. conspiracy show uh, th- uh, feeling right now in the day when conspiracy theories are only semi-funny now. You, you know, I feel like Ralph made it before anybody took him seriously, and I don't know why, but yeah. There is that going on. We we were we were talking about your your uh, rock and roll high school dropouts. No, that's not the title of it. Um, <laughs> maybe it should be. Uh, yeah, maybe it should be is right. Space Academy uh, dropouts rejects that whole series, uh, and we just and and we were having you back to talk about book two when it dawned on me that you. I didn't write this book alone. This was a, a, as many of your books are, um, a tax dodge that you had written. (laughs) (laughs) Supposedly written with another guy. And the other guy's name was Michael Suckis. 
uh, who doesn't actually exist. And I challenged you to bring him on the show. Yes. And I hired an actor. Hired an actor. Yes. Oh, damn it. Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) So we brought an actor in to play, Michael. So will the the real Michael Sutkis please please join in, Michael? Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Um, hello, I'm glad to be here. I, I, I'm actually glad because nobody actually believes that you actually exist. So, yeah, glad to have you with us tonight. I am completely um, fictional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, um, I don't have a lot of social media presence online because I'm not the most social individual. Well, that was what kind of threw me just, just to start off with. Is that you kind of have like no social media presence whatsoever. Your, your Goodreads uh, following has no picture, no biography, and just lists eight books. That's it. Nothing else. Hey, I didn't really get into Goodreads. I probably should spend more time there. Well, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny there. But yes, how did I meet Michael? And I will tell you this. Michael has been my storytelling DM for 21 years. Yeah. So I, 21 years. And yes, Vampire the Masquerade, Dungeons and Dragons, Mutants and Masterminds, all, DC Comics, all of these wonderful things there. And it's like, where did you come up with all of your ideas? And I'm like, I stole them mostly from this guy. <laughs> okay. So, so question number one, before we get into how did you become like writing partners forever? Uh, how did you guys meet up? We met on the old White Wolf uh, gaming forums. Oh, my God. So you guys are like old tabletop gamers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accent on the old. Well, i got to tell you, definitely this is a, a relationship forged in the fire of dice rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that has nothing to do with the- Vegas. Gotcha. Uh, yes, clearly, I mean, dice rolling in terms we met in Vegas, hookers, blow, you know, the, the cool things. <laughs> what, 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 uh, oh, Jesus, we just ran from PG-13 all the way up to X. Perfect. Oh, oh, please, okay. let's do that. Yes. Uh, I tell you, of course, that, you know, any proper Dungeons and Dragons uh, game for uh, adults will, of course, uh, be as brutal an adult as anything else there, because, you know, we are hardcore. <laughs> we're, 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 we're the metal nerds. Metallica shirts, yeah. No, never go see the band, but yeah. Hard. <laughs> so you guys started out just as met as gamers. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, Michael is uh, a fantastic uh, DM and also a player. And, you know, we've uh, maintained our friendship and regular gaming this, again, 22 years straight. Never stopped. So did, did you actually physically meet or did you meet online or what's the deal? We physically met at my wedding. I was married. How weird is that? <laughs> Not to me. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, 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 I would be happy for you either way. That's fine. He was almost, yes, he was almost my best man, but we had someone else do the toast. Ah. Uh, Ah, but yes, he's cl- my closest uh, internet friend and uh, wh- a real uh, peer uh, for listening to all my inc- insane anarchist rants about the government. And uh, 
Yeah, he uh, helped me come up with a lot of the storytelling characters and worlds that became the basis for some of my books. The United States of Monsters books, which uh, I think has like nine books out. And of course, Space Academy, which is originally his idea, actually. We were going to make it a tabletop game called Black Hole. Uh, and uh, we had the whole books full of notes that he created, all the wonderful races, societies, worlds, and so on. And uh, that fell through then, so I wrote the Lucifer Stars books, which are two books, and now the Space Academy books, and they take place in the same world, which is, again, Michael's world. Except, you know, I added all the snark characters and uh, sloppy romance that, you know, a serious artist like Michael would never touch. <laughs> well, the original design was painfully serious. Yeah, sorry about ruining your entire uh, work of art creation, my friend. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, oh, good Lord. Uh, yes. But yeah, we've got Space Academy uh, Dropouts, which is now up to 150 uh, ratings on Audible and almost 100 on uh, Rebel Amazon. And the sequel came out, and it's up to 60s around that. Uh, Space Academy Rejects, which we'll be happy to talk about now. And I'm putting the last few typed words on the manuscript for the third book, which will be out next month. Space Academy Washouts. Good Lord. Okay, first of all, the scary thing is that when you two are together talking, it sounds like dialogue from the book. Which I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it sounds right. <laughs> I think it's just an inevitable thing. I, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're absolutely right with that. And second of all, how the hell did you guys sit down together and write three books in the span of what? Four months? Five months? Oh, How does that talk, happen? Oh, we talk about just about every night there. And the thing about uh, my the plots for my books there is the characters and the stories and so on there, they're pretty a lot of it is cribbed from our tabletop game. <laughs> and it's amazing <laughs> there. And uh, I do most of the uh, write, write, writing there, and he did most of the background. So it just kind of compiled together there. I'm a, I'm a dialogue man, but I couldn't do much about creating, you know, the wonderful complex... Uh, societies and politics and so on that Michael can. Uh, he, I, I remember uh, the first comment uh, that he gave on the finished uh, draft of Space Academy Dropouts, and that was like, okay, so Michael, what did you think? And he says like, well, Charles, I hate to tell you this, but you made the scams, which are the solar-killing missiles, to be about the size of regular missiles, and that's just not accurate. They're about the size of spaceships. And I'm like, thank you, Michael. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to comment on? <laughs> not really. It's good. <laughs> No, just you know, just change everything and we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's like, <laughs> this detail is wrong, Charles. I'm sorry. You have to change it. <laughs> you, you guys, I don't know if you realize how scary funny these books actually get. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm reading the second book. And the first thing that came to mind as I'm reading it, and let me, I, I just want to grab my notes here because the notes actually scared me. They were so weird. Oh, yes. I would, <laughs> I would hear every thought you have on the books now. So that would, that saves me from uh, talking up my own books the entire time. Well, the first, the first thing that, well, the first comment about the first book was that you named the, the AI after after a Radio Shack computer, which I loved. Mm -hmm. The trash PC, yes. 
Yeah, which also was my first PC, my TRS-80. Yes. Which which I loved. And in this one, you named it after Shatner, which was even funnier. Oh, yes. The second IE we meet is called Shat, is the Shatner-based uh, AI, which is called the Shat. The Shat. <laughs> he is and the Shat, just, yes. Yeah, and, you know, it was easy. It was just an easy slip of the tongue. And I went, yeah, fine. We're leaving it. Um, and then I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to name this podcast? And I had like five or six of them. And the title that I finally came up with for this was, I think, can I offer you a root beer? <laughs> and just because it's a complete misnomer out of nowhere. <laughs> can I offer you a root beer? Sure. And Cam and I were talking before you guys came up. And Cam, you want, you want to talk about that now? Well, you mean about the fact that this book constantly sits there. It's like moments from some of the Deadpool movies. Like there's these meta moments in the in the book. And I couldn't find the first one that I absolutely loved. But there's these moments where the two of you just turn to the reader and just wink your characters wink at the readers in the most subtle of ways but you wink at them one of my favorite lines is there is one of the characters uh shelly the new characters talking to vance turbo and she she whispers to him that's another thing reality bends around you to make everything into a comedy and i'm going oh dear it's like it's these wonderful meta moments where you just you're you are subtly turning to the reader and just going wink wink nudge nudge and i just i absolutely loved it i think in that sense this one is even better than the first one is it these moments where you you know wink at the reader and go yeah come on let's come out let's join in and have some fun here oh yes uh Shelly's a great character, and I realized that we were in desperate need of a straight man for uh, the Steve Gutenberg Police Academy sort of role there. And uh, Michael was talking about one of his favorite characters in Star Trek The Next Generation, who was Shelby, uh, who was in only two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it was like, yeah, let's just basically put that character. And he's like, no, I didn't intend you to do that. And Charlie's like, no, no, you got it. I'm typing away already. <laughs> <laughs> The person who exists there to stand in is like, this is completely ridiculous. Why is this happening and why is it working? And of it's just, it, it, the, the character is just so much fun. And then you have certain characters come back from the previous episode. I'm going to call it an episode because seriously, this should be like a Netflix original series here. Hit, hit Netflix, dump some money on these guys. Mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, the... Uh, your characters like 42 and Hannah and Trish have just continued to develop and be so much fun. And I'm loving, it. I love the very beginning where you have Vance and 42 duking it out in a, in a battle pit, all of the Gorn and Shatner from that episode of star Trek. Just, it was like this perfect moment. I'm reading this page and I'm going, yeah, that's Vance and that's 42, but you guys are trying to imitate that episode of Star Trek. And I'm going, and you just, you do that so wonderfully, that that subtle little, yeah, and here's a little reference for all of you that uh, that are into that sort of thing. Oh, and yeah. in the it, background, it, you can hear the Alexander Courage 
uh, music in the background. You know, yes, you can yes. hear it. Yeah. Oh, in the, in the instant I was reading that page, that's what I could hear. Oh, yes. Uh, my, uh, Michael is definitely TOS, and I was a TNG child there, and we our universes sort of collided when we uh, start writing our Star Trek pastiche, as I call it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, is a polite word for ripoff. Oh, no, no. Nicely done. <laughs> Michael, like I explained it to you, when it's a parody, you can do that, and it's art. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yes. Well, yes. You see, it's called the literary what... Xerox machine. And it works. And this is the <laughs> and this is the conversation that Dome and I were having before we brought you guys on. It's like we were going, is this pastiche or is this parody? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a fine line, and you just seem to veer on either side of it. Well, constantly. I will tell you now the secret to my to my success. There, there are two uh, creations uh, that actually created me as a author, and you know. Uh, maybe three if we add also Josh O. Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But the two creations are <laughs> the 1980s movie Clue, which is uh, the perfect comedy send-up of all previous mysteries. And I'm like, that is that is the perfect comedy, and it also the perfect mystery combined, and it is both simultaneously. And two, just about anything by Mel Brooks. That's fair. I approve. Because mm -hmm. you know, you can, if you can tell something that is a complete send-up and parody of a, a genre, but it is also a good example of that genre. That is my ideal uh, writing goal in any situation. And of course, you know, Michael helped tremendously because he writes these deep, serious, complicated stories in politics. And then I was like, yeah, but what if everyone was a wise ass? So what, and, what you're saying is the part, the other part of what I love about Vance is the product of Michael. Because while Vance is a, a snarky little smart ass, He's got this soul to him. You know, he's one of these few main characters that I really do love because he actually cares. Like when he has to, you know, hopefully this isn't a huge spoiler because this is a space opera and there's going to be fights in space. But when he has to blow up a spaceship with enemy forces on it, he actually feels something about that. It is, you know, and it's I, I'm getting the feeling that maybe part of that soul comes from you, Michael. Is that correct? Um. I want things to have weight, yeah. I mean, even if you're being funny, everything needs to have consequence. The characters need to be able to operate in a world that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, there's no such thing as a free lunch, regardless of how funny you want to make it. Oh, yeah. And I think that it's I think it's fair even even in even in a book like this mm -hmm. that the characters that the characters understand that. I have a question. I have a, I have a deep, dark, nasty, horrible question. Which of you is responsible for this phrase? Liberate the masses and humanitize the Eskachan. Uh, that, uh, that is what I would take credit for, but also uh, entirely inspired by, because Michael is a lot funnier author than he thinks there, but uh, the first uh, book series... Uh, as hilarious and weird as it was, the complicated politics of uh, using the solar weapons and so on there, which is like a metaphor for Cold War and nuclear weapons, that's all Michael. He's the one who created the Natha because he had the ideas like, what if I created these ultra-serious space Nazis and made them tiny Ewoks? Oh, wait, <laughs> sorry. Michael, it's lemurs, right? Lemurs was it's the idea for squirrels. I just wanted yes. them to be adorable and evil. Yes. And, you know, and the second book, uh, the idea is 
dealing with uh, the complicated uh, politics of a failing dictatorship and the fall of the Soviet Union and so on. Like, I think about like how Michael does that. It's like, what if we're, de we're dealing with the kind of these very serious uh, real world kind of political situations there, but we're dealing with someone who is, uh, I think as avuncular as, as Vance is there. But at heart, what actually makes the whole thing funny is Vance thinks he's in Star Trek that the community is this idyllic life. Yes. Yes, force, yes. <laughs> force for good. It's like that old, those old uh, Keith David uh, U.S. Army or was the Marines uh, commercial saying like, join the U.S. Navy, a global force for good. And I'm like, everyone I knew knew that was like, okay, selling it on a little thick. But Vance fully embraces the idea that Space Fleet is meant to be the kind of, we are here to help. And uh, without the uh, joking or cynicism by it. And no one else gets it, sadly. <laughs> Because they see like a regular government, but you know, if I play that straight, it actually adds a real weight to this thing that he's trying his damnedest not to surrender to cynicism and wants to help as many people as possible and be the peaceful guy and not shoot down uh, a thousand people on a on a starship and be like, that was a good job. No, no, those were people, and that was a failure. That phrase is the best reason possible. To read this on an iPad because <laughs> I was immediately able to look it up and go oh shit that's what it means okay good um, uh, yes which by the way we should probably take a moment to explain yes that means to liberate the masses and bring build the city of God on earth it's exactly what it means and and thank God um, that was there because there were a number of points I love how Kindle apparently which, could just like randomly translate Latin <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I, w I was able to, at many points throughout this book, take my iPad and go, oh, Jesus, what does this mean? Oh, God, what is he talking about? Because there are times when you just kind of jump on the diving board and take us off the deep end for just a moment. Yes, we're talking about, you know, a Latin phrase for uh, creating uh, the ideal utopian state next to dick and fart jokes. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Which is the way it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, there's, there's no reason this needs to go straight line hardcore. And you yeah, don't. Right, exactly. and, and the fact that you don't uh, keeps me on my toes as a reader, which is kind of like what, as a reader, I want to have happen. Uh, and I like it a lot. I really, 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 really do. Uh, you know what else I like a lot? Can I can I just say this uh, out straight? Cousin Danny. Oh, Danny is Michael's creation, uh, and he. <laughs> oh my God, he's goddamn great. <laughs> uh, he's actually he's a combination of a multiple Michael concepts. There, originally when he was, uh, I think when he created the idea of uh, the Lucifer Star and Space Academy universes uh, way back when it was. When uh, in the 80s, uh, Danny was supposed to be the star of the show of the books there. And uh, I, I just had to introduce the character who is just, uh, you know, I would love to hear your impressions of, of Danny, uh, the invisible boy. <laughs> Danny wasn't supposed to be the star. Um, I was kind of building him to be the star for a sequel, which <laughs> I never really got around to doing because I never really got around to doing the first one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But uh, 
No, he he just sort of ended up being the ultimate secondary guy. Well, he, uh, he ended up being actually the tertiary guy. It's like you turned around and he's not there except when he's there. Oh, yes. I You know, I love that. Yeah, it's uh, I had a hilarious way. I loved the character of Danny, who is uh, is kind of the sidekick major dormo to uh, Vance in this sort of situation there. And how I and I wanted to incorporate him there, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. And it's like, well, what if I gave, you know, uh, poor Vance and his actual blood relation on the thing? And I co- there, I based their relationship on uh, Marcy and Peppermint Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, just, just, you know, fo- Danny following him around there, being the voice of quote-unquote reason there. And, you know, he doesn't even realize he's there literally half the time there, but which turns out to be because Danny has uh, implants for stealth that, you know, he just can't quite turn off, which is another of Michael's characters. Uh, another character that Michael is responsible for 99% of is, in fact, Hannah, who was, I think, actu- who was originally named something else there, but was the actual star star, I think, of the uh, concept for it. And just... You know, the uh, wonderful action girl, uh, badass kind of character who is kind of hilariously out of genre for a uh, the, the slow-paced TNG Star Trek that Vance wishes he was flying on. And, uh, oh, uh, but one thing I will take 100% credit for is uh, the Ares, which is, uh, if you uh, read it carefully, it is totally uh, the TNG uh, Enterprise, except it's like, from the 80s equivalent, so the carpet is all decaying and the uh, everything's out of date. <laughs> and the wallpaper's a little yellowed. You know, back when we built Starship for Luxury. It, it's funny because a part of it reminds me of an old video game. Uh, not even a video game, it was a computer game. I, I think it was Starship Titanic. Oh my god, yes, I know that. Yep. yep. And yes. as 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 I'm reading it, as they get to the the new the new ship, I'm going. And he, he's talking about walking around the concourse, and, and how this really isn't a warship; it's more of like a a worn out luxury liner. I'm going, yeah, Starship Titanic. Yeah. Oh yes, my favorite point <laughs> when they go to the gift shop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, yeah, we we been through the same stuff yes, you and uh, i my friends oh yes <laughs> you you I, I do admit there part of that was inspired by the fact when i went to a military base and i and i went to their uh food court and i'm like mcdonald's burger king and so on like it it's like okay this is capitalism my friends <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh, i kind of know what that's like when you're yeah in that foreign country and you walk you walk into the the base and end up at a Burger King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an odd feel. And yet there you are. Once, yeah, once yeah. you're there, there you are. You just, you just go down to deck level and, you know, instead of finding the cafeteria, you find yourself right at the uh, McDonald's and Coke uh, dispensaries. And like, yeah, uh, Picard, you get, what, what are you getting? I'll have a burger. Uh, sorry. We'll have the uh, burger Royale. <laughs> <laughs> So book three's uh, on its on its way to uh, to my hungry eyes. Yes, Space Academy washouts, which is again uh, Vance uh, dealing with the latest uh, horrific nightmarish crisis uh, and politics uh, while trying to be uh, the 
the nicest guy possible and just how that just never quite works out. No, that's not true. See, that's not true. Because it does kind of work out. Yeah. It just doesn't work out the way he thinks it does. Yeah. Or thinks it should. Oh, yeah. And that's what makes a space opera work. Mm -hmm. Once he keeps ending up being Captain Kirk as much as he tries not to be. You know, he keeps getting getting booted up the chain. It's like, no, no, I'm fine with, you know, being just a dropout. Guess what? You get to be my second in command. And now you get to be captain. And then, I've, no, I'd, I'd like to. Now you, you know, get to be Admiral Kirk. Now oh, you yes. get to be a lieutenant. No, oh, now that, oh, that, they're going to boot you up to Admiral. Oh, that's that, that that trend will continue with the third book there. Not uh, not saying it will happen at the end of there. But at one point, he causes a massive uh, political and military disaster. And then, of course, uh. The uh, people that want to throw him out of the Navy get overridden uh, as they give him and make him a galactic hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then boy to the uh, community is like, oh, shit. The best part of a space opera is the, always the oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, there's definitely some Mass Effect influences, which I don't think Michael played uh, there. But, yeah, you can see his fingerprints on all the classic kind of facts like. Yeah, the Gorn filling the role of... Oh, now I remember what I wanted to say there. Uh, Michael's greatest contribution uh, to uh, this book, in my opinion, which is just because I think it's just such a wonderful idea, is when he created the community, he specifically did it with the idea, humanity is joining this group, and humanity is like the Belgium. Or, uh, <laughs> or you know, Monte Carlo. It's like, humans are a part of the Galactic Federation, but we are by no means the leaders of it. <laughs> Or remotely important. And, you know, Michael, I really actually kind of like that idea. It's kind of refreshing because most of what you read, you know, it's usually, and the human race is leading the way in, in just about every science fiction book I've ever read. And it's so interesting to see the United, to see the human race to this as Oh wow! Here's the here's the uh, na the next door neighbor's kid who wants to play baseball with us, and he's not really good at it. And it's like you know we we want to be there, we want to be part of this, and we but we think oh we're special because we walk on two legs and we have hairless skin, so therefore we should be leaving you. And what? No, you're better than us at everything. You have all these wonderful things. It's like I love this. It's such a beautiful thing because it. Not only is it just it's a nice flip of the way what we're used to, but it creates such wonderful, you know, political discourse in this book that you can use. Like I've always said, you can use science fiction to put up a mirror to the world we live in today. And you've done that with this. So, I mean, I really like this, Michael. Yeah. Um, that was just one of the tropes in sci-fi that's always kind of annoyed me because of how unrealistic it is um, that, you know, humanity is the center of everything. And it, it kind of makes some sense when you're writing things that are earth centric. I mean, in Doctor Who, every group of aliens lands in London for some reason, but it's because the show is based in London and that's where the sets are cheapest. Um, or in a Godzilla movie, every set of aliens that lands on Earth lands in Japan, in Tokyo. Yeah, no, no, no. no I, 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 I went off Tokyo because that's where the sets are cheapest. Oh, yeah, true, true. But yeah, but in that general <laughs> area, you know. No, I, I'm so with you on that. And I just wanted to say, 
humanity is going to come out and find the Federation is already there and um, we're just getting started and not all that important. And, you know, the entirety of science history has been one blow to human ego after another, and I don't see any reason that should change. Oh, yeah. I don't see any reason it has to change. I think it's really good where it is. Yeah. You know, if if you were going to move, take collateral from this series, I would love to hear more about Department Zero. Just saying. Throwing that softball out there. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll definitely. uh, I add a lot of uh, political intrigue and secret conspiracies and corporate malfeasance and so on to my books. I just. I just can't. It's just my inner anarchist going there. But uh, Michael already gave me plenty of uh, fodder to do that uh, because uh, he created plenty of uh, secret societies and groups and so on for his original works there. And sadly, we can't spoil that for you. But I will add another compliment toward uh, Michael. Uh, The thing he also contributed is I cannot design alien life for shit. Everything. I'm I'm much more about <laughs> politics and dialogue and very human kind of things there. And Michael, however, it has a vast interest in biology and can tell you every kind of bug in his backyard. And he came up with all these wonderful, weird alien species and how they interact and and tell and told me about these things. And, uh, it's kind of hilarious uh, that an entire chapter about in Space Academy Washouts was inspired by Michael telling me about how a universal translator couldn't actually work. And then I, I just listened to him describe all the problems with it. And I was like, okay, and this is, will be the uh, focus of the chapter. And he's like, no, 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 don't lampshade it. And it's like, yes, I have to lampshade it because you gave me this very interesting lecture. <laughs> I mean, how does the co- people communicate with smell have be translated? And I'm like, the, and, and you just told me how, and now I'm going to uh, use that for a chapter. Slowly and carefully, and that's exactly how it has to be. <clears throat> You know, there are so many, so many different books that you guys have written together, a uh, series that, uh, God, we could talk about and, and that I want to get around to talking about at some point. Uh, and, and we should, we, God damn it. We really, we really, really should. Uh, 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 the, uh, the Bright Falls Mysteries. Uh, that's something we should talk about at some point. Um, I, I stumbled across the, I, I don't know whatever happened to the, the Morgan detective agency. Well, it's actually that Morgan detective agency is a series. We're very enthusiastic about there, but we got our, our six book deal with podium to do, uh, the cyber dragons and the space Academy books there. So that kind of interrupted it for about a year. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, something I would definitely love to talk about in the future. How about you, Michael? Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that 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 whole book, which I stumbled across quite by accident, because uh, I am I am a huge fan of of hot female detectives, mm-hmm. hot female psychic all? superhero detectives. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell to the yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 and, and, uh, Oh, I, I will have yeah. to interrupt one thing about this uh, story there. It had the most hilarious moment in my entire friendship with Michael, uh, Suckus. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, he, yes. He had written this character, uh, I think, in like 1990. Uh, the, and the character's like, and he was explaining this idea that, you know, I like, Charles, I think this could be a good book. And we've uh, used it. I've put her as an NPC in some of our games and a PC and others. And, you know, you uh, she's been an influence there. And here's my idea. She's this beautiful, dark haired detective uh, that uh, is very snarky and but is also carrying this big trauma on her shoulders because she was mind controlled for a bunch of years and forced to be uh, this guy, this a uh, vampire's kind of slave there, and uh, it's just really good. And she's uh, a kind of got, was a former superhero too. And I'm like, you mean Jessica Jones? And he's like, what? <laughs> no, they're completely different. <laughs> 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 I gave up way first. And he did. I was there. Wow. Oh like, my! You were there first. I'm just pointing out the fact you didn't see the similarity. No, no, I didn't see the similarities. There's no similarity. I actually had to look it up, and we had created Ashley in the game one month before Jessica Jones' first trade paperback hit, and I had not heard of the series before that. Philip had bought <laughs> first trade, so um, yeah, there's definite similarities. I guess it was just in the air at the time. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say you're you're entitled. You are absolutely entitled. There's such a thing as parallel construction. Oh yes. And that does happen. I've seen it happen. Well, you so, know, at, yeah. at at heart, it's really the fact that both of us are enormous comic book geeks and love getting into the nitty gritty uh, kind of deconstructive elements of it. There, we're not, you know, Alan Moore or you know, Enos like superheroes are stupid. No, quite the opposite. But you know, we <laughs> we think about it's like where do they get their clothes laundered? You know. <laughs> Exactly. That that kind of the questions are the ones we like to ask, and I form my books out of. Charles, Michael, we could talk for hours about about this stuff, about comics, uh, uh, about about where superheroes do their laundry, and and you know what, we're going to do more of this. Fly through the sun to do his laundry, and then the sun would burn off anything on his uniform, and I'm like. Can't he fly because gravity is lower on Earth? Was Krypton bigger than the sun? Don't think that through. Don't think too hard about this, you know, seriously. No, Michael, keep in mind, this, is the, this is the same guy that he would look into a mirror, use his heat vision to shave. So, you know. Yes, yeah, Mike, Michael's the guy who would be who points out that Superman has tactile telekinesis to be able to keep the planes from collapsing when he lifts them, and I'm like, okay, I will write that down, and that's why Ultra God has like Green Lantern powers instead. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wonderful having a friend who's into so much classic uh, Trek and uh, comics there, so from the and Silver Age stuff, so. Yeah, definitely influence on my work there. That's why I had to give him half the money on at least eight books. Oh, that's what we're claiming? Okay. Uh, yes, I. Yeah, that that that's how what my lawyer has said. You know, we've all signed the agreement. And that, my friend, is how you're getting away with those tax returns. Yes. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the, definitely the case there. I mean, uh, I, I don't know quite how much this actor is charging to pretend to be Michael, but, you know, it's the Twilight Zone. Maybe he'll really pop into existence. Uh, gentlemen, 
It's been a pleasure talking to you both. It's not the last time we're going to talk to you because fortunately for the reading public, fortunately for the listening public, fortunately for me, there's a lot more for us to talk about. And you're welcome back any old damn time because we've been talking to a bunch of really fun talented writer ct michael thanks for joining us tonight guys it was fun thank you My, michael I, I gotta ask before we go i know this is i think this is the first interview you've ever done right um i may have done a text interview earlier but this is definitely the first one where i've been out loud okay you think you want to come back and do another one please sure Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Guys, thanks a lot. Really, truly. Talk again soon. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus, we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. Hello, nurse. I don't you hate people like me? I know I do. This is my brother, Yako. Get out of here!